0: Linebackers today, Nathan. Last week, I made a big production of like, oh, the quarterbacks hurt my head. And then it was like, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And then we got some comments from Texas, like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. So I'm not going to oversell how hard the linebackers were. But as we were starting, and Stephen reminded me, save it for the podcast. The more I looked at the linebackers, the less certain I became about who the four guys should be. I think a, a surface level thing, I was like, well, there's, I thought there's three sure things. And then a couple guys in the mix for the fourth spot. And the more I looked, the more I feel like there are. I'm not sure there's more than one sure thing. And I think he goes seven deep, maybe in my opinion, on who could be there. How certain or uncertain are you about the guys you wound up putting on your four spots?
1: You know, I, I thought there was you know at least six deep with strong contenders, and it- it's tough because College football has changed so much, I think, over 60 years that what used to get you All-American status is maybe different than what we expect a linebacker to do today. But those guys who did that are so synonymous with Ohio State football that it's hard to leave them off of Mount Buckmore. Back
2: then... If you're a thumper, you're the best linebacker. And if you're a really elite thumper, you're just an All-American. And there's still thumpers today. The Will linebacker is still viewed as that. But that might not always be your most valuable linebacker anymore, depending on what your scheme is.
0: And the stats also don't help. At all. Tom Cousineau was credited with, like, more than 200 tackles in the season. Chris Spielman and Tom Cousineau each, like, made 29 tackles in a game one time. And now it's like – a if you have a good game, you have like eight and a half tackles, maybe 11, right? I mean, if you get around 100 or so for a season, that's really good. So a lot of the stats, again, as Nathan said, and we face this with corner and some of the other things that the game has changed, the position has changed. The type of player, Steven, who plays the position has changed. And so it's tough. I will say, again, it was like I, I didn't want to, I sent 20 options out to the texters for corner and that was too much. And so I said, I'm not going to do that. And then one of the textures was like, oh, cool. You said you're not going to send 20. So you sent 16. It's like, no, I didn't send 16. I sent 14. So my cutoff, this is how. <laughs> and, and listen, there's a couple things, again, as we keep going through this, I realized there are some guys like from the older, older days that were either not doing their position or they just didn't fit in the position that we were doing, to, you know, like Bill Willis is not in a conversation that we've had so far. It's like, is Bill Willis on a Mount Rushmore of Ohio State? Yeah, but he's more like an interior defensive lineman, I guess. And it was so long ago. And I I know there's some guys we're kind of missing in this. But again, we're trying to make it more like fun, less like homework. I wound up making the cutoff, Nathan, as you had to be a first team All-American. And then the only exception I made was I put Darren Lee in because he was a first round pick and he's recent. But everybody else, I, there were 13 guys who were first-team All-Americans at linebacker for Ohio State, plus Darren Lee. These are the guys that I sent. Darren Lee, as I said, Steve Tovar, Ike Kelly, Niall Diggs, Andy Katzemoyer, Pepper Johnson, Randy Gratishar, Tom Kuzno, Matt Wilhelm, Marcus Merrick, A.J. Hawk, Ryan Shazier, James Laurinaitis, Chris Spielman. Like, it's, it's you know, Raquan McMillan didn't make it, you know, um, Couple, I mean, there's a lot of really good guys. Craig Powell was a first-round pick, didn't make it. You know, there's some guys who were first-round picks who were never first-team All-Americans. I remember having a lot, like, you know, not long discussions, but multiple discussions with Raquan McMillan about, I thought Raquan McMillan was a great Ohio State linebacker. He was really mad he was never a first-team All-American. He was second and probably should have been first, but he still was kind of on the edge. He wasn't a sure thing, and, like, that didn't get you on the list. So that's a pretty high bar, Nathan, if it's like, 13 first-team All-Americans and Darren Lee, who was a star player for a national championship team and won the first round.
1: And it kind of helped put all this in perspective because – or maybe it made it more difficult because you start looking down this list and you start you know, looking at the credentials of these guys, and pretty soon you almost have to eliminate candidates if they weren't like two-time All-Americans, or you had to be an All-American and win a national award. Like this is just a, one of those positions where Ohio State – um has, you know, I know we talked about, you know, the cornerbacks and the recent success that they've had there or even the defensive ends, but like, this is almost a little bit different removed from that. Right. Like I feel like the success here that they've had and, and kind of the, we want to say just again, like we've talked about before, like essential players in Ohio state history have played this position and it's gone on for a long time. It's not just like a recent trend It's been guys who are sometimes the first people, the first face people think of from multiple generations played linebacker at Ohio State.
0: Seven of the 13 guys who were first team All-Americans did it at least twice. So that, so like, if you just sort of take that group and say, well, I'm going to pick between the seven guys who at least did it twice. You could make a good top four out of that. You know, that's a very reasonable thing to do. But Steven, I do think this was something I thought about. I do think, as you said, there's a difference between who would you take for a season, who would you take for a career, and who would you take for a game against the aliens for the future of Earth? And I probably, in the end, leaned more career, but I think there are two guys in particular, and let's not name names yet. There are two guys in particular to me who are on the edge of Mount Buckmore. Might, I might get on but i think might be the two that i'd pick for a game but if you stack them up long term you know were they two time all americans no
2: so every single one of these we've done we've come to a point of discussion where we've picked the best athlete who not even if just we've decided who is the best football pure football player of this group i think this might be the first time where the answer to that question doesn't make the list right and that's hard right. because that's, that's, that's a significant part of it. It's just being better than everybody else, but at a position that's so loaded with credentials and resumes like this one is just being the best football player from an eye test standpoint might not be enough.
0: We did get, and I think at the end, when we do our final Mount Buckmore, this is not the final one, but I th- we have to take a break for a couple of weeks because you know, the season's starting, we could talk to Ryan day. Ryan day could Could you delay the start of the college football season? Because we really could use another week to squeeze in the last buck Buckmore. (laughs) But I I think I'll try to gather some of the strongest comments from tech subscribers about where we maybe missed, where we missed a part of the discussion. I know our guy, Seth Shaner, who's a great tech subscriber, a great listener, was a one time co-host for an episode on this pod, really thought like we were nuts to leave Sean Springs off. And he was sort of like, listen, I know none of you guys covered Sean Springs, but like, let me tell you he did make up for the Michigan slip because he came back in the Rose bowl mm-hmm. and, and like tore it up. And yeah,
2: I saw that, I guess when I say he didn't get a chance to redeem himself, like in that game, against. No, it's that okay.
0: we're, we're not, we're not really, no, no, I know. But, or like, right. Not the next season, but like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there are strong opinions from people who have been watching Ohio state football games for 30 or 40 years. And we respect those opinions and, and, We're open to all of them. And I think maybe we'll try to go back and discuss them and have like a final, final wrap-up of this whole project at some point. But I think this discussion is going to elicit some more of those. But Nathan, there was also a texter who said there wasn't quite as much juice to the linebacker conversation. And I said, I know what you mean. And I think part of it is because there's not a guy like in the past, there's maybe one guy in the past 10 years 12 years that really is in the mix. It's Ryan Shazier's in the mix at least, Mm -hmm. but that's not as immediate as when we talk quarterbacks and we talk Justin Fields and we talk running backs and we talk JK Dobbins and we talk receivers and we say, man, we think Chris Olave has a great chance to get on here. And we talk cornerbacks and we talk Jeff Okuda and we talk defensive ends and we talk Joey Bosa and Chase Young and Nick Bosa. This is not quite like that. And I think that's partly what's it? Partly partly bill davis but it's also it's partly like the evolution of the sport It's partly how defenses are designed where your playmakers are right i mean that the plays that we see ohio state defensive ends making and it's like hey chase young my gosh that guy you just look at him and he's scary you know like in the mid 90s that was andy katzenmoyer you just looked at him and he was scared you were scared and the game was just a little bit different and so You know, but also I think, you know, there's a world where you run his career back again and you give him different coaching. Like maybe Jerome Baker is more in this discussion that he's, I mean, he's not in this discussion at all right now. Maybe Raekwon gets over the top and is right in the middle of this discussion. Maybe if the game was a little different, you know, Marcus Merrick was the guy that we brought up sort of last week. of like, hey, don't sleep on Marcus Merrick. He's like an underrated guy in Ohio State history, but he led him in tackles three times. People are like, People at least know he's underrated. I think I maybe came to the conclusion that Marcus Merrick is Pete Werner. But like we didn't, like it took a while to come around on Pete Warner. And I don't know what people are going to think about Pete Warner in 10 years. But like, I didn't give Pete Warner one thought in this conversation. And I don't know if that's about Pete Werner. I think it's partly, he's just a cut below You know the best of the best of the best but it's also a little bit about the game it's also a little bit about the way ohio state linebackers have been coached and the way they played in the last decade so i did do you agree with that nathan that it's not quite as juicy when it's not as immediate immediate right now as a lot of the other positions we did
1: well i think what makes that difficult too is the farther distance you get away from someone the more kind of ideal Idealistic, you can be about them. How they 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 for for fans, I think especially right. Like they they have this sort of like ghost like presence in your mind because you haven't actually seen them out there playing. It's different when we are having a a conversation where we're comparing Denzel Ward to Jeff Okuda to Marshawn Lattimore or the, with the defensive ends. It's all you know the Bosa's against Chase Young. It's it's a lot of like relatively recent guys. But when it's guys who have already sort of taken on this sort of statuesque place in Ohio State history, then comparing them to each other, it can be difficult. And comparing them to certainly anything that's happened since then is difficult. I think you also make a good point that linebacker is also like – there's less juice with linebacker because – so so we, the defensive backs will go out and they'll they'll get interceptions. They'll do like these real big wild plays and defensive ends by their nature are sacking the quarterback. And those are these big wild plays. But linebackers are often judged by how many times you did like the most basic defensive thing in football. Like you made a tackle. There's there is less juice to just making a tackle beyond be, uh, know be, beyond the line of scrimmage than there is doing all those other things.
2: Unless you're a hard hitter. But you can't do that. But you can't do it anymore. So half of the hits that would have been juicy are, no, are targeting calls
0: now. Or they're like that blindside stuff or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So, again, there's like immediately there's like a guy that leaps to mind who's like right on the edge of the discussion. Like, well, that guy had some highlight plays, right? But, I, but that's it's not only about highlight plays. Okay. Let's start getting into the mountain. Again, if you want to be a tech subscriber, we have our votes from the tech subscribers. They did their homework. I just send out a reminder of like, hey, your homework's due. And a lot of people responded. It really helps us when the texters, you know, help set the path for us. 614-350-3315 if you want to be part of this stuff. I think there's one obvious guy. And I don't know if there's more than one 100% like every single one of us, every single texter, every single Ohio State fan would agree on more than one. But I think we all agree on Chris Spielman. Is there any doubt he's first on my list? It is performance, it is is the legend. It is, I think, when you, if you said name 10 great Buckeyes in history, I think Chris Spielman is one of them. It's a football family. It's the story of how he got to Ohio State, you know, thought about Michigan. His dad says, no, you're not going to Michigan. You're going to Ohio State. What he becomes in an era where like Ohio State football is not winning at the highest level. Right. He's there at the end of the Earl era, but he is this sort of he was such a high school legend. Wheaties box. Now he's a college legend. He goes on to have a really good NFL career, not Hall of Fame, NFL career, but really good NFL career. And he's been part of football as a broadcaster at the college and NFL level, like since he retired. So Chris Spielman is like a fundamental part of football in the state of Ohio. And also he was one of the best football players that I think a lot of people have ever seen at Ohio state. So Nathan, I, 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 he's number one on my list. And I think he's probably number one on a lot of lists for best linebacker.
1: Yeah. I I don't necessarily go into it trying to rank my four. I need to find my four and the the ranking is less important. I, he was the second guy that I put, but I, I think what's, what's great about a guy like Spielman is we take it for granted sometimes when, you know, the five stars pay off, the big time prospects pay off. But when guys come in with like this much hype and then pay it off, I think that that deserves like some sort of special recognition. Cause it, it does. There are so many times where guys come in with the hype and it doesn't pay off or, or it doesn't quite get there. And here's a case where I think that somebody's pre Ohio state accolades could in some ways set you up to fail. Like when you can't, if you can't live up to those kinds of expectations, uh, even if you're great, sometimes you can't live up to those expectations. And when you do, and maybe even surpass them, then that, that becomes something even more special.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is he, is he number Number one for you?
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, He made this a little easier by one person.
0: I think. National High School Athlete of the Year in 83. He was on the Wheaties we, box. As we said on the Wheaties box. Um, Two time All American. Let tackles in 86 and 87. Consensus All American in 86. Unanimous All American in 87. Won the Lombardi Award. Um, I, I think I, this is, again, it's like sometimes it's like we're, the case you make is actually another podcast or another list we could do. I think if you did like greatest living Buckeye for an athlete, or at least a football player, let's a football player. If you did greatest living Buckeye and what it means to be a Buckeye, which is performance plus, right? Is he two? Is it Archie one, Spielman two? Right now, when you think Buckeye, when you think like. And and maybe it's like well Chase Young doesn't have a chance to do it yet because he's twenty two yeah. right but like yeah. this
1: is important yeah but over the
0: length of your your life not just your career but your life yeah I, I
2: think so I don't know like I'm not throwing Chase Young out there I don't know if he'll ever be that because being right. greatest living Buckeye almost has a little bit more to do with what you do after you're not playing football mm-hmm. than it does when you're playing and Chase might go on to do great things to be a Hall of Famer and all that stuff but that doesn't mean he's ever he's not from Ohio. So it's, he didn't have a – he's going to come back here for the spring game and watch that and be here as long as Larry Johnson is here. But these guys who are from Ohio, where it was in their blood before they got to Ohio State, those are the guys who have that chance to be the greatest living Buckeyes. So, yeah, that's probably one and two. And then
0: after that, maybe Ginn Jr. after that, but it's a distant three. He's just a, he's just number one. I think he's just it's, – it's where I started because I thought I had – I thought I had a top three, and, I, and I, think I, I've, I think there are ways you could shake two and three. I just think he's unshakable, even if you don't have one, even if for whatever reason, well, I'll take this guy because he made more big plays or whatever. But I just I, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this that wouldn't have Spielman in their top four for Mount Buckmore. And I will tell you that he was number one with the Texters, and it wasn't close. 1.88, again, we do the ranking system. So it's one through 14. You rank them one through 14. If you are number one on everybody's ballot, your ranking would be 1.00. But his, that it starts still with the one, the second place person is 3.34. So there's a gap between like, this is, what I said at the top is sort of reflecting what the texters said, but they confirmed it to me of like, well, of course it's Spielman and then let's get into it. So I do think that's how it went. Chris Spielman is on Mount Buckmore for- All four of us, the three of our votes, plus the texters. Okay. I do think that it does at least become a discussion right now. Because I will tell you, the person that is number two for the texters is not a sure thing in my top four. And I thought he would be. But he is at the edge of my conversation, but he is not definitively in my top four but I also feel weird about that. And it's A.J. Hawk is number two for the texters. He has the combination of on-field success, played for great teams. NFL success was number five pick in the draft, but he also has a lot of that sort of aura, right? The hair, the the low-ranked recruit who came in and tore it up you know, as one of the young guys, as a, as a freshman on the O2 national title team and doesn't really you know do much, but then he's a foundational piece of, of these teams that come after that. But I'm not a hundred percent sure he's in my top four and he's as, you know, he's as much of a great combination of like talent and toughness again, as anybody that you'll find at Ohio state, but I'm just slightly hesitant based on what some of the other guys have done. Nathan, where is AJ Hawk for you? Is he definitely on, is he not on, or is he on the borderline? I had
1: him in my top three. I think this is one where and I've talked about this at other positions where sometimes I wonder if my age and my awareness of college football and when I was maybe most aware of it and when I had lulls or whatever affects my way of looking at this but I just before I took to, taking this job and got more into Ohio State football I mean that's certainly one of the first people I would name if someone asked me about Ohio State football and I think some of it is just sort of that the flair and the um, those those things that like you say the hair and and all that stuff I think those make an impact here but when somebody is great Regardless of those things, I think those sort of just are are accents, you know, I mean, they just they sort of push their their um, their that presence across, you know, and and, I mean, the guy was a two time unanimous All-American, won a national championship, won other national awards. Um, There's on a a list like this, like I said before, like it's not usually enough just to be a a a All-American like you kind of probably have to do it twice. I guess we can't hold, maybe hold everybody to that example, but it's just even when you start to hold him to that higher standard, he holds up to it.
0: Oh so, four, oh four consensus, oh five unanimous. is two all American years. Okay, okay. Go ahead, Steven.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't, I don't want
0: to.
2: He won the national title, but he was a true freshman on that roster. He wasn't really. Yeah, yeah. He, it's not the same. Um, no. So when I first did it, I think Nathan, I was where you at. I just kind of put him on a list just because that, that's how I do the exercise. I go in and I just kind of make a, a original list. And then I had to take a step back because was I, was I putting him on the list because I thought he was the top four? Or was I putting him on the list because I was four or five, six, seven, eight years old when he was here? I think Ohio State starts getting into some territory over the last 20 years where it's like the guy who's a starter is really good. And then the guy who comes after him is just immaculately good. And the, that's the argument against him is, yes, he's very good. But the, guy, the linebacker who comes right after him, who is on my list when we start to get into that, is, I, is probably two or three times better than what he is.
0: Well, I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't, know that I, is... I don't think anyone's two or three times better than A.J. Hawk. If you would argue that they're better, OK, I think they might be 10 percent better than A.J. Hawk. I don't think they're two or three times better. A.J. Hawk's really good. He, and he, he was again, number five pick in the draft was good in green Bay for a long time was, was not like, he's not going to be a pro football hall of famer, but again, is like, is that the threshold? No, that's not the threshold. I, 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 looked at that. There's not, you know, there's not a ton. I think there's 11 people associated with Ohio state in the pro football hall of fame. And two of them are coaches and a lot of them are older guys, right? I'm going to bring up that hall of fame discussion in regards to another player soon. Love the team in tackles three times which is if you're trying to like splice some stuff, Lauren, I did it three times. Steve Tovar did it three times. Hawk did it three times. Marcus Merrick did it three times. Everybody else is in on this list is twice or once. I don't think he's a sure thing. So I'm going to keep him off mine for now. And I am reading. I sent it out to the texters right as we were starting this pod. AJ Hawk is second for the texters. The, t- the three top vote getters for the texters, I didn't want comments on them because I think we all have a handle on them. It's just deciding yourself how you rate it. Then there were four guys who were four, five, six, seven, I think, in the, in the texter voting that I wanted people to make a case. And as people are making cases for those guys, it's affecting my view a little bit. They're strong, passionate cases. But the problem is, I think there's probably six guys you can make really passionate cases for. and. People are going to, there are people who are going to be upset because there's too many guys. I, I really think there's, there's at least six that, that people are going to be the, a lot of movement. But t- to me, I initially thought Hawk was a sure thing. To me, he's definitely not a sure thing. He's in the movement group now. He might win out, but to me, he's in the make an argument. And there are other guys who have better argument groups. So this, the other so, thing I would bring up, though, I just, just want to that, clarify real quick. Okay. So, Nathan, he is in your top. He is on your Nathan's Mount Buckmore. Stephen, he is on your Mount Buckmore or no? No, he's not. OK. All right. Nathan, go ahead.
1: I was going to say that I, I think one of the other things that influenced me was because I know what he means to this fan base. I, before I saw, I didn't know that he had finished that high in the voting. But that is something that has also affected whether where I would rank guys potentially going on Buckmore, too, because I think that's also part of what gets you on Mount Buckmore. It's it, sometimes yes. there is mm-hmm. so little differentiation between actual achievement or actual um, performance on the field between five, six, seven guys. So when a guy connects with the fan base to that extent and endures in their memory and in their hearts or whatever, however you want to say it, then I think that pushes them up the list. And that, uh, that definitely entered my mind when I was thinking about AJ Hawk, that he's someone that I feel like for a, a generation of Ohio state football fans, um,
0: just connects in a different way. He, I covered his last year here, was my first year covering the team. And I went and did a big story on him before their bowl game against Notre Dame. Went out, obviously, everybody knows, went out with a great storyline. His, uh, I always get it, I always get it mixed up. It's his sister who was marrying Brady Quinn. And they, A.J. Hawk and Brady Quinn, Ohio State, Notre Dame, played in the Fiesta Bowl in 2005. So I went to his hometown. I went to his house. I hung out with his family, talked to A.J., talked to everybody around him. I still remember to this day, it's like we went down in their basement. I went down in the basement with his dad, and like they had a doorstop propping open the basement door. It was like a nice finished basement, so it wasn't like a dark basement. It was, you know, and the doorstop was the Lombardi Trophy. And I was like, oh, is that the Lombardi? Like, not that they were not respecting it, But it was just like, oh, like it's part of our house. This is what we do. And I remember one of the stories about AJ was that like in the Ohio State media guide, he had like, even though he had this long hair now, I think his picture every year was like kind of like a shade, like a crew cut thing. And it was that he just never he just never showed up for picture day for the rest of his career after freshman year because he was like, I don't have time to take a picture. I'm in the weight room. Or in the film room, what are you doing? Why would I take 20 minutes of out of my day to take a freaking picture that I don't care about when I could instead be trying to get better at football? So he's just a maniac, right? And I thought to myself, in my first real exposure to Ohio State football, I thought, that's a Buckeye. Okay, okay. If I'm trying to like learn on the fly, I wasn't an Ohio State fan growing up. I didn't know a ton about Ohio State before I got here. I was hired only on my good looks and charm, not my Ohio State knowledge. And I think that's a Buckeye to me. And I also think to myself, well, that's it. They will never have another guy like that. I have no idea how they're going to replace him. And then Ohio State football happened. We'll cover that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315. So to your point, Nathan, I'm not trying to say that A.J. Hawk wasn't special because he was. He was a great player. People loved him. They loved him beyond his stats. They loved him beyond his accolades. They loved him for who he was and what he represented as a Buckeye, and that is part of what gets you on Mount Buckmore. But I think maybe this is where we're going for you, Stephen. What you were talking about, who are you talking about? Then who comes next after A.J. Hawk?
2: James Laurinaitis was an All-American, literally the moment he got a meaningful role here. Three-time consensus All-American, three-time All-Big Ten, won the Lott Trophy, Buckets Award, Buckets Award Bronco Nagurski Trophy, two-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, the son of WWE Hall of Famer, World Warrior Animal, rest in peace. That matters to me. It's just he took, he is the epitome of what Ohio State football is, is The guy's playing is really good. The guy after him is ridiculously good. It's just always another guy coming behind him. And, okay, fine, maybe not two or three times better, but one is a two-time All-American, one's a three-time All-American, maybe one time better. But the point of the matter is he took what A.J. Hawk did and enhanced on it.
0: So he is on your Mount Buckmore, Stephen. Yes, yes. James Laurinaitis for the Texters is third. It's Chris Spielman, 1.88, A.J. Hawk, 3.34, James Laurinaitis, 3.89. Nathan, did you have James Laurinaitis on your Mount Buckmore?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, again, just all, everything we've already said where he just kind of came to define. I mean, he was the, the standard bearer for that position in college football, right? For a window of time. I mean, there aren't even even as we've done Mount Buckmore, there aren't that many guys that you can say that about. Maybe Chase Young. Like, there haven't been that many guys where you would say, like, oh, this is like what everybody in the country thought of when they thought of a college football linebacker for multiple years. So I think he's a no brainer guy to go on this list. I do push back against the idea, though, that because he was better than Hawk, that that somehow diminishes Hawk's reasons for maybe being on this list. I don't know that we've necessarily applied that to any other position because I think in a lot of cases we've had a great guy followed by another great guy a few years later. I know this was maybe more immediate, but I, I don't know. I, I think their cases
0: stand alone and, and both deserve to be on the list. So, so Lord Laurinaitis, I know very well, obviously I, I, his, he was a freshman at 05. That was my first year in 05. Uh, got to know his family very well, went to Minnesota one Christmas and hung out with his family and wrote a big story on him. He's in the book. I've known James since he retired. I have, he's one of the guys I have, you know, among all the guys I've covered, I might have a better relationship with James or Lauren than anybody else. So I try not to let that influence me. He's a great guy. He has a great family. I mean, his, his mom is great. Um, he has a great story of how he got here, which contributes it to it a little bit, right? Like an underdog kind of guy who thought he was going to Minnesota, was lived in Minnesota got to read the book. I mean, everybody knows the story, uh, but like he, he kind of probably never should have been here and, and got here kind of a unexpected way and then does this. Jumps on the scene as a true sophomore in 06, has a bunch of interceptions. Like Bre- I think it's like the Texas game, second game of the year, kind of is all over the place. Wins the Nagurski in 06, which is the best defensive player award. Wins the Butkus in 07 as a junior, which is the best linebacker award. <clears throat> I will say by the end, he did the thing that, Great players who choose to stay, what happens to them? He stayed so long he started getting nitpicked. That Mm -hmm. by his senior year, when they lose to USC in week three and all these guys, again, by the way, he's the backbone of a defense along with, with Malcolm Jenkins, but James is first of a defense that goes to the national title game for two straight years when he's a sophomore and junior. They lose 35 to three at USC. Terrell Pryor comes in that 08 seasons, a little wacky, right? Not exactly what those guys expected. And he starts getting nitpicked a little bit because he's not quite as dynamic a playmaker as A.J. Hawk, as Andy Katzen-Moyer, as Chris Spielman, as some of these guys. A.J. Hawk's a weak side linebacker. He's a will. James Ornitas is a middle linebacker. He's doing a little more of like the tough Borland kind of stuff, which is sort of like be in the middle of the defense, get everybody lined up and catch running backs. Now, he is, we're talking three times, five times, 10 times. He's 10 times tough Borland. But I'm just saying, by the end, I think some people were like, man, I remember when Andy Katzemoyer used to declete guys. When's the last time James de decleted anybody? And it was like, well, I don't know. He didn't declete anybody, but he stopped the running back on third and two for a one yard gain. I don't know. Isn't that good enough? Like, He didn't send the guy out on a stretcher, but he tackled him. So he was like a really good, really, really good linebacker. I thought he got nitpicked enough that he got underdrafted. He fell to the second round. And then has a 10-year NFL career, where again, he is very good with the Rams. Mm. He's not making the Pro Bowl every year. He's not making the Hall of Fame. All he is is an every game starter for a decade in the NFL. Like, all, like that's all. So I will say, I wonder if there might be some Ohio State fans who don't put him on the top four because his highlight reel doesn't have as many de moments as some of these guys. But we have to remember, he is one of only eight in the history of Ohio State. One of only eight people to be a three-time All-American. So like, and, and I don't think this is not a backdoor. Ah, he was riding on reputation. He was an all American level player for three years. Now he did it at a very famous program and he did, you know, but he was a, he had a famous name. He had a great backstory. Steven mentioned his dad, but it was all legit, but he's not. I, I actually think probably in terms of like dynamic highlights, AJ Hawk has more, but it's hard to get away from the long-term consistency, Nathan, of a guy who is one of the eight three-time All-Americans in the 130-year history of Ohio State football. Like the first guy to do that was Chick Harley, the last guy to do it was James Laurinaitis, and so for me in that conversation, not that you're trying to get away from that, but I can't get away from that. Like he's he's he is he's one of the most recognized Buckeyes ever, so. That's why I do definitely put Laurinaitis on while I am not yet definitely putting Hawk on. And if that comes down to Laurinaitis stayed and, and Hawk went to the pros, right? I mean, maybe maybe that's it, right? I don't know. Wait, did AJ have a choice? Two, three, four, five. Did he have a red shirt in there? Maybe he didn't have a choice. Maybe he was here all four years. I think he was. But like, maybe it's, if I'm just saying like, well, the All-American committee didn't quite give it to AJ three times, but they gave it to James. Is that really what you're going on? I don't know, but maybe, maybe. And I think maybe in a tiebreaker, maybe that's enough.
1: Yeah, again, it, to me, it just comes down to, you have to look at these guys in context of the time they played. It, it, it's part of the conversation, right? Like you have to, tr- we are trying to compare against time and there are things we look for to do that. But you also have to look at when they're recognized that consistently in that many ways, for that long of a period of time. Like I was actually surprised that there've been eight three-time All-Americans. That's crazy. Like three-time All-Americans is basically your entire career. You are just an All-American the whole time. And he, I think he might be the last one, right? Like I know he is, he is the last one so far, but I don't know that anyone will ever do that again because guys don't usually stay long enough to be three-time All-Americans anymore. So that may be part, again, another part of his enduring legacy. Like he was the last person that had a career that looked like that at Ohio State.
2: Yeah, we'll probably have to be a freshman, maybe quarterback, who's like starting at Ohio State, Clemson or Alabama in 2022.
1: That's the hardest position to be an All-American at. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's only one of them. A linebacker, you got three shots at it every year.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Maybe Travion. Um, Let's put that on him. Hey, Travion. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, we noticed that against Minnesota, you only gave Travion seven carries. How do you think that will impact his chances to be Ohio State's ninth three-time All-American in history? Uh, Okay, so let's – I think that's the Laurinaitis conversation, and you just have to decide, right? I I don't know. There's nothing really hidden here. You just, in making your choice, have to decide valuing sort of long-term versus highlights. And and not that it's not that, right? But Laurinaitis, I think, as a long-term thing, has an edge on everybody, and as a highlight thing, there might be some people who have an edge on him, but he's also a great, he makes plays like a maniac and like really good in coverage and against the run, like a really good, like all around trustworthy. I don't want to make it sound like he's tough Borland. Cause that's, that's not what he is at all, but it's just, he's also not Ryan Chazier or Andy Katzenmoyer. And we're going to start talking about Ryan Chazier and Andy Katzenmoyer. And there there's some cases that you can start making there. So those are the top three in the texters. I think those are, sort of the obvious three, and Nathan, they are three of your four, pretty much locked in. Stephen, they are two of your four, and I'm gonna make it two of my four for now. Stephen, do you have anyone else who is super locked in or is everybody else in the conversation for you? Because I have come around on the idea that I do think I have somebody else who is super locked in that I think I probably would have this guy second on my list ahead of both Laurinaitis and Hawk. Do you have anybody like that?
2: No, I think the last four or five I'm here for the conversation.
0: Okay. Let's then have the conversation about the guy that in the research and double checking everything I have come around on as a lock, which is not a sure thing. I think for a lot of people and you know, I'm not trying to zag or anything. I'm just trying to be comprehensive in how I think about it. This guy finished tied for seventh in the texter vote. And it's mostly about age. I mean, there was a time if we were doing this podcast 10 years after this guy retired, I think we would be talking about him the way we're talking about James Laurinaitis and A.J. Hawk right now. And he's just not been lost to history, but he's just not at the forefront of people's minds because there's not as many people who watched him. But I think Randy Gradishar is a sure thing he is the guy that Woody Hayes said he's the best linebacker that Woody ever coached he is a two-time all-american he is a guy who is a first-round pick in the nfl he's a seven-time pro bowler in in the nfl he is in a conversation right now where a lot of people he got drafted by the denver broncos and so at ohio state he was an all American in 72 and 73 consensus in 72 unanimous in 73. And he is the leader of a defense. The 1973 defense for Ohio state has four shutouts. This is the number of points. The 1973 defense gave up per game. 0 13, 10, 21. They have a 10, 10 tie against Michigan. That's their only blemish. They are a ridiculous team. He is their leading tackler with 134 tacklers in 1973. Next up is a guy with, ni- with 96. He's an academic All-American Hall of Famer. They have an academic All-American Hall of Fame. He's mm-hmm. that. He's a college football Hall of Famer. He finished sixth in the Heisman voting in 1973. And then he's a first-round pick, and he's the backbone of the orange crush defense for the Denver Broncos which is like a defining like steel curtain, orange crush, purple people leaders. If you want to talk about great defenses of a certain era in NFL history, he's the leader of one of them. And there is a great debate in Denver right now. He has been on the cusp of Hall of Fame voting for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he hasn't made it. And a lot of people like he's there's a lot of stories about him right now because people are saying things like he's one of the best NFL players not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame right now. He's that good. And he was that good at Ohio state. And so, you know, when I'm trying to think, okay, so nobody's Spielman, but when I'm trying to think of a guy and I'm trying to think of Hawk, Lornitis, and Sharp well, neither Hawk nor Lornitis was it are being talked about for the pro football hall of fame. And Randy did everything in college that those guys did. He had size. He had speed. His NFL defensive coordinator said he was like the best goal line running back he ever had. He's he's a great all time player. Like he is an all, all, all time college and NFL. And I just think the case is a little more concrete than even for Lauren, nitus or Hawk, when you take in the totality of everything he was as a football player. And Nathan, as you said, right, we've had some conversations where your NFL stuff in a tiebreaker in aura, perception, essence, all of that can factor in. I think if you really factor that in with Randy Gratishar, I think you almost have to put him on. And if you have to put him on, but you also have to put on Hawk and Laurinaitis, then we're done. So I don't think you can be quite done. So that's why I backed off Hawk. Cause it's like, I think you, I think I could just lock it down with those four guys. But if I'm not going to lock it down with those four, my order is Spielman, Gratishar, Laurinaitis, and then Hawk is where I'm having the conversation. Nathan, did you think about him? And listen, I, this is the homework part. The guy played in the early 70s, but there are some texters who make the case for him who are saying all the stuff that I've said. So I get it. We know recency bias or just being alive and conversation. I get it. But this guy's resume is, is unbelievable.
1: I really was still kind of unsettled as to who my fourth guy is going to be. And there obviously is a, a really, really, really strong case for him. Um, the, the, the Woody Hayes thing, I don't think I, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me as much because because there's been 40 years of, of some pretty good Ohio state football since Woody Hayes. I, I understand why that is uh, why that has value too. that. He's the best linebacker to play for him, but. Um, I, I think you could probably transport some linebackers that play in the modern era back to Woody Hayes. And he would have been like, Oh my God, what is, what is Baron Browning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was
0: <laughs> <great>. Woody, <laughs> Woody real fair. quick, just Woody, just quick thoughts on Ryan Shazier. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know what you're saying. <laughs> and so, but, but again, all respect,
1: I, I, I'm not trying to diminish it. And I, I think, you know, I made the case for Michael Thomas to be in the top four. And it's this is, again, where recency bias and present bias factors into it, because I look at Michael Thomas and I say, I know that he was underutilized at Ohio State, but that almost kind of you can that almost becomes part of his candidacy to make buck more because that was just a thing that happened with receivers at Ohio State. And then now look at how great he is. He's like the greatest. He's the best receiver in the NFL. And I think um, Granishar was not underutilized at Ohio State, obviously, maybe underrecognized nationally at Ohio state. Cause he doesn't have some of those same accolades that we've been rattling off for these other people. But then when he clearly was, he was kind of the Michael Thomas of linebackers in the NFL for a while. I think now it's a less flashy position, but when you're that a pro bowler that often that repeatedly, I think that puts you kind of close to that same stature. So all that being said, I, I, I don't know if I put him in my top four, cause there's somebody else that, that I'm, I'm leaning towards, but, um i can be swayed
2: 320 tackles in three years is absurd
0: but he only just, led he only led the team in ta- again that's in the era where like the leading tackler had 150 tackles i know he only it, led the team in tackles once
2: right that's what i get it but i just
1: but tackles are also very i want to insert like right now the guy who leads ohio state in tackles every year might have like 70 like, I feel no. like the, the Ohio State tackle leader now doesn't. And, and, and tackles are tough for to that because it, it is somewhat dependent on who's keeping track of the tackles.
2: Yeah. And how many, it's not even about how many solo tackles, it's just how often do you, are you just standing next to a guy and the counter goes, oh, that's an assisted tackle, which I feel like was a religious a practice back then. So it's, I, I understand it and he's in consideration. I just think there, there are some other people who, I, who might have a better case or might not have a better case as we continue to go through this exercise.
0: So Gratishar, the the people that I asked the texters to make a case for were Randy Gratishar, Ryan Chazier, Tom Cousineau, and Andy Katzenmour, because I think that's where the conversation is with a lot of this stuff. From the 6-1-4, Randy Gratishar was an outstanding linebacker. I realize the game has changed since he played, but he was a rangy guy who could cover the field sideline to sideline. He was a two-time first-team All-American Sixth in the 73 Heisman, made 22 tackles in the game against Washington State. Six-time All-Pro in the NFL. He is Mount Buckmore worthy. From the 303, the idea that Kuzno and Gratish are in the mix instead of automatic shows a massive recency bias. Is the average listener the same age as Steven? What is even going on here? Which is, listen, that the thing about this is all right, Spielman's in for sure, and then there's going to be, like, five or six guys where different people are going to make, like, what are you doing? How uh-huh. dare you not put them in automatically conversations, which is, like, the whole point. Like, you can't have six automatics on a mountain of four people. But I understand what that person's saying, because, like, if you loved him, like, if you saw him, it's legit, man. From the 610, six in the Heisman voting, quote, the best linebacker I ever coached, according to Woody uh, the outstanding linebacker award at Ohio State is the Randy Gratishar award. Oh, and he was the centerpiece of the defense that went to the Rose Bowl in his junior and senior season. It, it, and then the stats we said of, like, how many points that defense gave up. It's, it's unbelievable. The only defenders to get more first-place Heisman votes since Gratishar are Hugh Green, Marvin Jones, Charles Woodson, Adamakong Su, and Manti Teo. And that's despite being one of the three Buckeyes in the top six. That's the year that John Hicks finished second, Archie finished fifth, and uh, sixth was Randy. The NFL stuff. I do think this matters from the 484. Gratishar and Kuzano set the linebacker standard at Ohio State. And it was an awfully high standard. They weren't just the best players for the Buckeyes, they were the best in the country. So I do think, Nathan, as I thought about it a little bit, I feel like this run that sort of we're talking about guys sort of like right, sort of what Nate, what Steven was talking about. Like it sort of feels like one guy follows another at a position like Ohio state, at least for a period of time, Mm -hmm. I think Randy kind of is the start of it. Now Ike Kelly was a first team all American in the sixties, and we're not going to pretend there weren't very good linebackers in the sixties. But I think when we think about what playing linebacker at Ohio state is, and I don't know if you can use that for words, but I think people get a picture in their mind. I think if you were starting a highlight film, that said, this is what it means to play linebacker at Ohio State, right? And it took you through Spielman and Pepper Johnson and Kuzano and Marcus Merrick and and Hawk and uh, Laurinaitis and Raquan McMillan and Ryan Shazier and everybody. I think it's very possible that the first guy that comes on the screen and the highlight of what it means to be an Ohio State linebacker chronologically is Randy Gratishar. I, th- I think maybe. And it's not that they everybody got better after him. It's that like he really set a standard, which is what some of these textures are talking about. And then other guys like matched it, matched it, matched it. Maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, but like right there, right there, right there. He he kind of showed Spielman what you've got to do. Then Spielman, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, a this Spielman is telling me, and, and yeah. He,
2: It's like you can either be the guy who starts it or you can be the best guy in that line. And,
0: And, you know, if we're if all other things being equal. Right. And again, if we care about representing generations at all on our mountain. Right. Like I think like I just said, like six times. I know people hate that. He's the guy from the 70s. So now we're having a conversation about should we put on Hawk and Laurinaitis who are actually on a team with each other? at one point and overlapped and to say, well, that's that era. We've got to do it. Or is there a way where you could say, well, if we're trying to be representative while we're acknowledging greatness, we're going to do this guy from the seventies. We're going to do Spielman from the eighties. We're going to mix in some guys. And in a, in a tiebreaker, I'm going to let that affect me a little bit, which is why I'm putting him on.
1: I think you've brought me around. I think he probably would make my top for me. He was right on the border. There were like three guys I was considering. And I think, I had already come to this in my mind anyway because Hawk was the one that I thought I had to put on the list. And the other two guys, I think I, – I mean I had already made the decision that the other two guys who were more modern, I was putting Hawk on over them anyway. You know what I mean? Like Hawk had the whatever, the X factor that meant he had to go on the list and the other two didn't. So I think I would probably come around. I think – it I mean it says a lot that he's the guy that the the – best linebacker award Ohio State is named after right like that's a hard guy to leave off of the Mount Buckmore of Ohio State linebackers
0: and it's one of those things but it's also you know it might just be well you're old uh, wouldn't named it after you because well yeah you, I could so you, but
1: you know if if I'm trying to think of what the example would be like the first guy to run for 500 yards at Ohio State in 1923 right. uh, stands up as the running back award which it wouldn't obviously there'd be right. Archie Griffin, you know what I'm saying like there, there's got to be but I but but he's you know it would be one thing if it was just that, if he, if, if he had just had this respected college career. But then what he went and did in the NFL, um, I think, probably pushes him across to where he should be on this list.
0: I think I, I think this is right. And and man, I get nervous. We're not pretending we're the end all be all experts on this. We just want to have a fun conversation. We are not Ohio State historians. And, you know, I didn't call Jack uh, Park to be on this with us. I think he's the best NFL linebacker ever from Ohio State. Sort of what we said that there's not, he was a better NFL player than Spielman. He was a better NFL player than Hawk. He was a better NFL player than Lorenitis. He was a better, maybe Ryan Shazier would have gotten there if he didn't have his tragic uh, incident making the tackle that ended his career. But he, he's he better than, you know, Pepper Johnson's a great player at Ohio State in the NFL. Randy Gradishar is a better NFL player. Nobody else is on the edge of the Hall of Fame when it comes to the pros. And again, in a tiebreaker, I, I, I'll take that into account. Okay. We can bring it a little more modern. Actually, before we do, before we have the modern one, let's have a Kuzino conversation. He's hard. The guy was the number one pick in the draft. He's a two-time All-American at Ohio State, and he's the number one pick. And, he's, and it's like, I might have him seventh. <laughs> but when you go back, it's like he, he was – relatively speaking, like a little undersized. He talks about that a lot. I was reading, you know, reading Tom Cousineau interviews and that kind of thing. But an excellent player, but he's also hurt. And I think a lot of people knowing that know this, right? He's the number one pick in the draft in 1979 by the Buffalo Bills, and he doesn't sign with him and he goes to play in Canada. He picks, he chooses to play in the CFL instead of playing In the NFL, it's like if Chase Young said, I'm going to go play in Canada, be like, what are you talking about? And then he's really good in Canada for four years. But like, you know, whatever. And then he has his triumphant return. He comes back to the NFL with the Browns, shows up at Browns practice in a white Corvette. And then there's like, okay, so. Does that is that the most important thing? No, but he didn't go on to have a pro career like Randy Gratishar did. But in college, he's a two-time All-American and the number one pick in the draft. Randy Gratishar was 14. 77 to 78, consensus All-American. I don't have him on. And I actually think, I think it's a seven-man conversation for me and I have him seventh. But if you watch Tom Cousineau tear people up in the late 70s and he's on your Mount Buckmore, I can't argue with that. It's just, I don't think... I think Randy sort of transcends time with the length and breadth of his accomplishments and how long he did it at both levels. I think Cousineau is clearly a stud in his moment, but I don't know that he transcends time in the exact same way. And if we're splitting hairs, Nathan, I'll split a hair that way.
1: Yes, I think that's probably the right way to look at it. it, it he's a guy that I, obviously I tried to go back and look. There's a little bit of a blind spot there for me just because these guys that came along in the 80s and 90s, I guess 90s mostly, right, sort of defined Ohio State football for me. And i that's where I've, I've leaned, on, especially on this list, it seems. But just because, I mean, th- this is a position too where like just because you're 7th, There's been some other ones where I think we've talked about like who was seventh was almost like an afterthought. You know what I mean? Like you could, even if four was tough to decide by the time you got to seven, you were getting pretty far down the list. And here I feel like seven is still strong. And it's because this position has just been so strong throughout Ohio state history, or at least certainly it's been amplified now, like I said, since getting into late eighties, early nineties.
2: Texas are going to yell at me. I think, his stats are kind of gaudy, but as we've gone over, there's reason for that. He might be, if you had to make a list of if you look at people's numbers, who's more likely to do that across any era, he might be sixth or seventh to have those numbers translate, even if they oh, were right. playing to today.
0: Yeah, he admitted, I mean, he is he's just a little undersized. He talked about sort of in the book, like maybe I'm not making the decleating kind of plays, but I'm dragging the guy down from behind to make the tackle. And he just made a ton of tackles. He has the record for tackles in the season, 1978, 211 tackles, 101 solo, 110 assists. He's second all time in career tackles. Marcus Merrick is first with 572. Cousineau is second with 569. When you go through, again, like tackles in a game, uh, he's all over the most tackles in a game, obviously. He's tied for first with 29. Then he has he has 28 in a game. He has 23 in a game twice. He has 22 in a game. He has 21 in a game. I mean, he's just, he's just all over the field, like right at the end of the Woody era. And there's like not a case against him. There's just some guys might have a stronger case for him. And if I'm trying to argue, like, don't forget about Randy Gratishar because of time I, I'm a little more slightly okay with maybe Moore or Shazier or guys like that edging Kuzano out partly because of recency bias because I think it's close enough otherwise. And if Cousineau went and played for the Bills instead of going to play in Canada, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. And he says now he regrets it. You know, at the time he made a monetary decision. His dad didn't like it. Woody didn't like it. It was very unusual. But that's what he did. And, you know, guys didn't have as many options there. Right. I mean, it's like power the players right there. You know, there are still people who don't love sort of the player empowerment movement now, much like much less the player empowerment movement of the late 70s in football, where a guy goes to play in Canada because the money's better. I mean, people are like, what are you doing? So is it fair for us to ding him for that? We're not dinging him. It's just on Part his, of the story on his list of accomplishments. He had a chance for his NFL career to be a bigger part of his pro column and the pro con column. And it's not a con, but it's not as big of a pro as some of the other guys. And so if we're going to break ties, we'll do it. He's not in my top four. It sounds like he's not in the top four for any of us. And I'm not even sure again, he's, I would have him seventh and like, I'm sorry. There's, there's to the people who, Again, from the 303, this person says the idea that Cousinot and Gratishar are like in the mix instead of automatically on. Like, what are you doing? And, and I get that. Cousinot was one of the greats from the 727, as was Gratishar. They both played at different times and Katsumura or Shazir, which really should be considered. I've seen them all play. I'd vote Cousinot. But I was a young lad, early teen, when he played at Ohio State. Maybe I was starstruck. Cousinot has to be number one from the 202. I, I mean, I, how do you get away from that? Never from the 604, never saw Gratishar. Kuzno was incredible, but it was a different era. And we're trying to sort of cross these eras here. I sent out the list of rank, you know, make a case for these four guys. Shazier, Gratishar, Katsomor, Kuzno from the 256, Kuzno one. Kuzno at the top of that list, Gratishar and Kuzno roughly comparable in college, but the edge in the pros to Gratishar. That's from the 703. So Nathan, I do think the point you've made a couple of times is, from the 216, Kuzno must be on the linebacker Mount Buckmore. Two-time All-American from Cleveland, drafted first overall in the NFL. I'm not even old enough to remember his college years, but it would invalidate the list if he's not on it. Might as well just say the list is from Spielman forward if that's the case. I'm like that guy's that man or woman is gonna be ticked at us, Nathan. But I do think to your point, you said it a couple times. The age you were when you caught sight of these guys affects your view. And it's not just recency biased. It's sort of like how they entered your brain at a certain time in your life when maybe you were more not susceptible, but you absorbed their greatness maybe in a different way that stuck with you longer. And that matters in this.
1: I think there is something to be said, too, for what Stephen is kind of brushed up against, which is to do these sort of arguments you have to kind of time machine these guys into the modern era would they still hold up in the modern era if you took aj hawk and transported him back in time would he still have been able to succeed in the way football was back then so i think we're also trying to do that to some extent and like i said like i i I, whoever we don't put in this top four there's two or three guys who are going to get responses like that i think from our fan from from our texters because there are just that many candidates that I think
0: make a compelling case. I hope the thing that I'm always worried about is, are we missing something right? And, and we are going to miss some things because we didn't cover a guy or because we haven't watched Ohio state football for as long as some of our texters and some of the other experts on the history of Ohio state football. But I don't know if we're missing anything here. I think it's just how we choose to evaluate it. Okay. Let's get to the two more recent guys. We got to talk about Ryan Shazier and Andy Katzenmoyer, and we'll do that next on the Mount Buckmore for the linebackers on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, what we have so far. So, Nathan, if you have – have you come around on Gratishar as your fourth and your Mountain's locked? I think so, yes. You still can change it by the end of the podcast. That's okay. Just trying to – but you did have Spielman, Hawk, Laurinaitis. You have not changed your mind on taking any of them off, Right.
1: No, I think those guys are still locked to me. I think I'm, I'm leaving Hawk on over the other two guys who I
0: was really looking at. So, Steven, you have Spielman and Laurinaitis on, but nobody else on yet. Is that correct?
2: No, but I think you sold me on Gratishar.
0: Okay, so we'll add him. I have Spielman, Gratishar, and Laurinaitis on. I'm on the edge on Hawk, but I think I'm not going to go that way, but I still might. And the Texter's... Spielman 1, Hawk 2, Laurinaitis 3. Gratishar was tied for 7th with Pepper Johnson. So let me run the bottom of the list again. I sent out the 13 first-team All-Americans at linebacker plus Darren Lee as a first-round draft pick. 14th was Ike Kelly from the 60s. Steve Tovar was 13th. Nile Diggs was 12th. Marcus Merrick, leading tackler in Ohio State history. Unbelievable. Played as a true freshman, like just like unbelievable dude. He's 11th. Matt Wilhelm, 10th. Darren Lee, again, if people want to say recency bias, I I kind of wanted to give people the most recent guy to grab onto who really was truly, truly great at linebacker in Ohio State history. So I threw out Lee and he finished ninth. Randy Gratishar, Pepper Johnson tied exactly for seventh and eighth. Kuzano is sixth. So that means the two guys left are Andy Katzmoor and Ryan Shazier. They are four or five in some order on this list. Steven, who would your fourth guy be if you have Spielman, Laurinaitis, and Gratishar in the house?
2: Can I first say that Andy Katzmoor probably would not be a linebacker if he was playing right now. He would definitely put his hand in the dirt. 6'3", 260 pounds. That kid's putting his hand in the dirt. That's um, – especially with the way I, he played. Like he was racking up sacks.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I know what you're saying. He is. There are not a lot of linebackers of his body type. No, right now. there weren't a lot of linebackers of his body type then. But I know what you're saying. I, maybe. But go ahead with the rest of your point. If you don't want to declare yet and we want to talk it out, we can't. We can yeah. just have. Let's just have separate Shazier and Katzenmoyer conversations, and then we'll see where we are. So let me say this, I am very tempted at the moment to put Moyer on, which I was not initially, but if we are talking, feeling a guy gives you, that guy, kind of a high school megastar, almost on the Spielman level, comes in, starts his first game as a true freshman and is blowing people up Mm -hmm. from the jump. And if you said conjure an image of Andy Katzenmoyer in your head, that hulking guy in the middle where like the number 45s on his shoulder pads, his shoulder pads and shoulders are so big. I think you could have written Katzenmoyer on his shoulder pads and been able to read it. It is where Archie's number, ask for Archie's number and gets it. And just as a true freshman is, is tearing up college football. Then as a sophomore, wins uh, national awards as an All-American as a sophomore. Then has some of the weird stuff, right, with the Sports Illustrated article and his class load, I think, as a junior. And he becomes sort of this symbol of, like, non-academic football factoriness Mm -hmm. that I think is unfair to him, is a little hypocritical of, like, Oh, we value football? Oh, is that is that news to everybody? Oh, sorry. So you want him to take what? Calculus and, you know, philosophy 501? Like what do you what, what do you want? It's, he's a football player. It's okay. Why are we trying? But that in the 90s we were very much in that mindset right of, oh, well, all he cares about is football. It's like, "Well, do you see what he does on the football field? The thing that he spends his time on, he does better." then the thing you do best in your life. So I, he, he got caught up in that. And there was at least one text or example of saying like, I was embarrassed by that. That made me right as a Buckeye fan. I didn't like that. And, and I count that against him. But again, 96 starts as a true freshman in game one. 97 consensus first team, all American wins the Buckeyes award. Six four two fifty. 50, And he conjures something, Steven, he conjures something that when you say that you can run through the highlights and everybody's talking about the Kobe Jones, Missouri highlight. You can, you can run through, you put on the film of Andy Katzenmoyer and you feel something, not just with your brain, but in your gut, watching that guy be a football player. And I think he has that above Laurinaitis. I think he has that above Hawk. I think he has that above several people And he's a little bit like Ted Ginn Jr. to me, that if we're just going straight stats, accolades, consistency, all that stuff, maybe he's not top four. But he certainly has enough of that, that if you let the gut and the heart come into this, I think it's a pretty compelling top four case.
2: He's probably the best pure football player. I mean, we keep coming back like of the bunch. And so for me, it's a discussion of, Best football, it's 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 down to these two, honestly, for me. Is it? Do you want to go best pound for pound football player or a guy who's probably a freak for the fact that he was able to accomplish some of the stuff he did, he was at the size he was? And I'm leaning Ryan Shazier just for the sake of. He's not quite the same level as what J- Chase Young and Jeff Okudo are in the 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 progression of a position, but he's pretty freaking close.
0: So if you're saying like Andy Katzemoyer is almost like a defensive end playing linebacker, Ryan Shazier is like a safety playing linebacker. Bingo. Like he'd be actually, for what they're looking for, he'd be a perfect bullet today. I mean, He'd also also still be a great Will linebacker. He would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, you want that guy all over the place making tackles. Yeah. But I do think in very separate different ways, Shazier and Katzemoyer are united by their great physical presence that is unique. Well, also again, having career-ending injuries that are very serious. Right. Which, which again, is sort of what we're talking about with the Ted Ginn Jr. It's like, mm-hmm. I have not, there's not another Ryan Shazier who's just like that. There's not another Katzenmoyer who's just like that. Where, although Laurinaitis and Hawk played sort of different, they did play different positions, there's a little bit of like the Gratishar, Spielman, Hawk, Laurinaitis lineage that is similar Mm -hmm. and Moyer and Shazier are sort of like branches off of that. And so it's like, do you want to stay in the lineage or do you want to grab one of the branches? And maybe at some point I'll acknowledge the best guys of the lineage, but I don't know if I want like four guys in the lineage, give me maybe three in the lineage and a branch, which is, I think if you are maybe picking three of the four of Spielman, Gratish, Hawk, Laurinaitis, and I'm just talking how I thought it out. I don't want to take all four of those. I don't think so. I'll take three of those four and then let me have a Shazier Katzmoyer contest. And I'm kind of comfortable with that. Wh- where are you on trying to evaluate Andy Katsmore and Nathan? Because I do think, again, some of the personal stuff, mid nineties, you're watching Ohio state on a Saturday saying like, that guy's awesome. He's a monster.
1: Yeah. that's what I was saying before was that I kind of lump him into that. If, if you're comparing him and Hawk, which is kind of what I guess it came down to for me a little bit if I'm going to put Grandishar up there, then I think you lean towards the one that the fan base embraces more. And that's that's where ultimately where I was already leaning with A.J. Hawk, and I think this conversation has sort of crystallized that for me. Like I said, whoever's number five, whoever's number six, and I considered Shazier. Shazier was the other one that I was thinking about too. I just don't know if he quite – personifies linebacker at Ohio State the way some of these other guys do. I think it's unfortunate because if his NFL career had been able to play out to fruition, that obviously would have enhanced his case even more. And that's unfortunate, but it's, it's just among the things that happen sometimes in this game. So that's why those guys ultimately felt still just a little bit below where Hawk should be in terms of being considered for something that represents the program this way.
0: Yeah, I mean, Shazier, Shazier well, let, let, let's, let's, let's finish off Katsomoyer here for a second before we get to Shazier. Um, and it's, I think I said Kobe Jones. I think he was a soccer player. It's Corby Jones from Missouri that people like to bring up that highlight. And it's just like the epitome of, of Katsomoyer blowing a guy up. I don't know, like Nathan, the idea, but do, 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 do you? I think you make an interesting pick. I'm trying to decide who they embrace more. I think, like, is it possible that if you're having an A.J. Hawk, Andy Katzenmoyer conversation that Ohio State fans might say they love Hawk more, but they might tell more stories about Katzenmoyer? You know what I mean? Like, if you're sitting around at a bar with your friends, I think you've got like four or five Andy Katzenmoyer stories in your pocket, but you might just be like, man, I love that A.J. Hawk. And so what does that mean? Right. Which is better? I don't know. I mean, to say, well, the guy that you love—that's the one. That's the one that you want to talk about. We're not just here to tell stories, but as we've said a lot with Mount Buckmore, storytelling—go to the mountain, point to the mountain, and say, "Let me tell you a story about that guy." Is something to this. That's some of the Ted Ginn Jr. argument. So, but Katzmeyer is also very accomplished, right? As 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 some sure. of our texters are pointing out, we don't want to sell short. It's not like he's a flash in the pan. It's not like he's you know, only uh, a one-hit kind of guy. From the five-six-one, Cats has to be on. First linebacker to start in his first game, Big Ten freshman of the year, three-time All Big Ten, first Buckeye to ever win the Buckus. He was fast, strong, and violent. I think if we're talking about that is a word that I think is fair to use in football. If we if we made a list of like our top five most violent football-playing Buckeyes, I think the two guys who might be the, the first two names out of people's mouths almost unanimously for Ohio State players are Jack Tatum and Andy I, I I don't know that I would be afraid to say that if we're doing that, which again is a little more essence presence than anything else. You guys talk about how a player makes you feel. I have never seen a linebacker strike more fear into teams. He was a monster. I can still remember seeing that mirror advisor pre-snap and thinking he was about to murder for someone. That's from this 561. That's a really strong case. From the 409, Catsimore and Chase are absolutely on my mountain. When I take my child to the mountain, they will see these huge shoulders and say, "Who is that?" Well, son, that's Andy Catsimore. He had size, speed, and struck fear into running backs. He had the 90s version of Clowney's hit in the Missouri game. He recharged recruiting at the linebacker position and was a freshman phenom. He's a winning drive away from being on a national champion. He was a Buckus Award winner, averaged 6x a year, three times. All Big Ten, they allowed him to wear Archie's number. And lastly, he had the coolest face mask and helmet combo ever. Think of linebacker at Ohio State and Andy Katzenmoyer is the action figure you would make. Action figure argument is a pretty good argument. 7.03, you guys had the discussion on how a player made you feel when they played and say, wow, and how in some cases you throw out the more traditional stats and accolades, accolades and thinking about guys like Ted Ginn Jr. or even Jack Tatum. Seeing Andy Katzenmoyer play middle linebacker on those 96 to 98 teams, that was filled with those wow moments. Decleating the Missouri QB, destroying the Iowa running backs Heisman campaign, three sacks in the classic Rose Bowl win, et cetera. I know the Buckets Award wasn't around for the older guys, but Katzenmoyer was a three-time All-American, actually two-time. And the first of only two Ohio state Buckus winners that has to count for something. So that's, uh, there's just, and I want to make uh, from the six one. this is a nice statistical case with Katzen Moyer as their middle linebacker, Ohio state was number two, number three, and number two nationally in scoring defense and went 32 and four. So that is a nice little thing to add. That's more than highlights, right? By the way, also he was at the heart of a great run. Of Ohio State players. I mean, of Ohio State teams that was like kind of in a lot of ways led by its defense, as much as they had great skill players. Andy Katzenmayer had an impact like no freshman other than Maurice Claret. That's from the 6 1 I don't know. There's not going to be a definitive, right? But this is why I don't know that I was here to begin with. I think at the start, I was sure thing hawk. And the more I thought about Katzenmayer, the more mm-hmm. I opened myself to some of these how he makes you feel arguments that I think are kind of rare.
2: Andy (laughs) Katsomoyer, you know how they make, when they make football movies, how the middle linebacker looks and when like the all-American middle Mm -hmm. linebacker always looks like this unnecessarily gargantuan human being. Yeah, I think all those characters are based off of Andy Katsomoyer because I just looked at a picture of him. He's got the visor where you can't see into his eyes, but Mm -hmm. you can see out to him. You got
0: the face mask. I don't want to walk past him. So and in I'm in the will, grocery store, let alone on a football field. And this is one of those things. And again, James Laurenitis is in the book. You talk about Joe Laurenitis, who's a professional, favorite, famous professional wrestler, a road warrior. James said that he thinks his dad always thought, Man, I he because his dad played some small college football. Joe Laurenitis thought, man, if I would have been a football player, I would have been Andy Catsware. And living in Minnesota where James probably thought he was going to go to Minnesota. His dad liked national college football and loved Andy Katzenmoyer and James wore Andy Katzenmoyer jersey around. And there's some inherent absorption of the aura and essence of Andy Katzenmoyer that makes a guy like James Laurinaitis as a little kid in Minnesota think about, well, maybe I don't want to go to the home state school. Maybe I want to go to Ohio state because that guy, not that that guy is so awesome, but because that guy is so cool. Right And again, that's a little thing. Man, Andy Katzenmoyer was unlike anybody else in that era. That's the Katzenmoyer case. Let's make a Ryan Shazier case because there is certainly one to be made, and there are some passionate texters. And I'm going to assume – I'm like, well, maybe it's not a younger generation. It's just – I mean, all the texters saw Ryan Shazier play. So there is a lot of passion around Ryan Shazier, and he's special. He's in the book. There's nobody like him. He was playing undersized defensive end in high school and people didn't know how to recruit him. And they were like, well, we want to recruit him at linebacker, but he doesn't play linebacker. Like we need linebacker film on this guy before we can give him an offer. And Luke Fickle's like him, 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 him. And Ryan Shazier's like, I'm going to Florida. And then Urban leaves Florida. Ryan Shazier's like in class. And it's like, what? Urban quit? And there are like recruiters at his high school in an hour. And he comes to Ohio State and becomes a great Buckeye and is unlike anybody else. I've never seen anybody like Brian Shazier. We we were like his first year. It was like, why isn't he playing? And they took too long to get him on the field in 11. And we asked Luke every week, why aren't you playing him? Why aren't you playing him? There's no rational explanation. And then in 12, it was like, I have never seen a guy like that. But sometimes he's in the wrong gap. Because he's so fast, he, like, gets to the play before the running back does. And then in 2013, it was like, that's linebacker play. That is it. Give me that any team, any decade, any conference. And it's like, oh, that's what it would be like if you got a quote. And Ryan and his dad say this, like an SEC linebacker in the Big Ten. That's what they said they were coming to do. That maybe SEC, well, they have some Ryan Chase here. So State didn't have a Ryan Chase here. They didn't have guys playing linebacker like that. And now when you start saying, oh, well, then Jerome Baker's kind of like that. It's like, oh, actually, like Pete Werner's kind of a little like that. Yeah, oh, like I, you know, like maybe Taraji Mitchell's gonna be some some of these guys that just do kind of next level athlete with the speed. And he's special, Steven. Man, he is special in in the same kind of feeling way that Katzen Moyer is special. Accolades are like a half step shorter, mm-hmm. right? Like didn't win the butt kiss. But also he, you know, he's hearing that weird change over time. Yeah. And gets caught up a little bit in that. But then, like, people again, by the time they're really starting to do stuff, he's hitting Monty ball in the hole. He is You know, as much as like Urban Meyer is, you know, leaning on John Simon and guys like that for the beginning of the Urban Meyer era, Ryan Shazier is the guy out there making all the plays. Mm -hmm. Ryan Shazier is like saving games by being Ryan Shazier. Steven, it's a great case, man. It is a great case.
2: I'm going to stick with it. I'm sticking with Ryan Shazier. And it's just because it's very close and it comes down to in a world where if you put them in different eras, Andy Katsumar is not a linebacker. Ryan Shazier is the epitome of what you want a linebacker to be, whether you're talking about his era, the eras before him, or especially the era now.
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of what you want the modern linebacker to be, right? That he he showed the way in a lot of ways. From the five, six, seven, I'd find it hard to believe Ryan Shazier doesn't have a spot in an Ohio State linebacker Mount Buckmore. Dude was a menace in college and was maybe even more so in the pros. Great pro, man. From the 612, all these guys are special two memories, though. Kat and crushing guys. And Ryan Chazier, modern era speed and amazing skills. And uh, it's, again, you can't argue it. From the 619, torn between Big Cat and Chazier. Chazier was a heat-seeking missile at outside linebacker, and when he learned to play within his role, he was dominant. Big Cat was the ultimate enforcer from day one. And that's kind of why I have to lean toward him. It took Shazier a year before he really shined, even though he definitely flashed as a frosh. As Coop would say, Shazier bit as a pup. But Cat ate the whole darn steak as a pup and quite honestly never looked like a pup, which is why he should be top three. It's a nice case from the 619, well argued. From the 303, Gratishar borderline NFL Hall of Fame career, Shazier is iconic for different reasons. His legend actually grows each year due to his story and the what could have been potential. I don't know how to rank Shazier. But Gratishar is a must. That's Ryan and Denver crossing over the generations a little bit. Katsumoyer and Shazier absolutely on my mountain from the 419. We kind of made that case before. They made a strong Katsumoyer case for Shazier. It's mostly about having the spirit that all Buckeye fans want inside of the Ohio State team the fight to overcome, the brotherhood as his teammates supported him. Um, he ran up the middle when he wanted tackles for loss. He was clearly the center of the defense for the Buckeyes. How many plays did it look like they were out of control? And then Shazier came in to clean it up. He was like Steve Atwater at the linebacker position. It's a strong case for Shazier. A couple other things for the texters. Shazier was amazing and put up some unreal throwback numbers, but I think the others had equally impactful moments and more of the traditional accolades. That's That again, he's a one-time All-American, which we're we're splitting hairs, kind of matters. Kuzno, one of the greats. As was Gratisher, they both played at different times than which or Shazier, which, can be, which should be considered. I think we said that before. Nathan, I, I think I'm going to wind up leaving Ryan Shazier off, and it's going to hurt me. I love him. I loved watching him play. He's different. He's rare. He's special. But this is a pretty good mountain, Nathan.
1: I mean, honestly, this is kind of a refreshing change of pace because we've been doing these for a few weeks now where that fourth spot, we always were like, well – I mean, here's the debate over who gets number four for now, but we're waiting for somebody to come take it. I don't know if we really feel that way about this one. I feel like that there already are too many good candidates just for four spots and that this is a list that can endure no matter which of these other three or four guys that we put in that fourth spot.
2: And some of that is a product of how football is played today. I think your linebackers have to be good. but I don't know if Ohio State needs to have an all-world linebacker to win a national title because they have all-world defensive ends and all-world cornerbacks.
0: No, I think that's right. I think it's harder for when you have linebackers who played in a time when kind of the defense was almost shaped to let the linebacker shine. Mm-hmm. That's not how it is now. So if we're doing a cross-generational greatness discussion, I think it's going to be more difficult for Ohio State linebackers now to show that greatness in a way that the guys were talking about. I think especially this top 7-8, there's no doubt about it. Let's run through it again real quick, the Texters. The Texters Mountain is Spielman, Hawk, Laurinaitis, Shazier. Spielman, 1.88, Hawk, 3.34, Laurinaitis, 3.89, Shazier, 4.74, Katzenmoyer, 5 at 5.58, then a drop-off, Kuzino, 6 at 7.79, Pepper Johnson, And Randy Gratisher are tied at 7th at 8.22, Darren Lee ninth at 8.81. We didn't talk about Pepper Johnson enough on this one, but I just felt like he is a great linebacker who is right in that second tier, but is just not quite as much in the discussion of, is he really, really, really in the mix for top four as much as these other guys? Steven, officially, your Mount Buckmore for linebacker is what?
2: Spielman, Laurinaitis. Gratishar and Shazier.
0: Okay, Nathan. Officially, your Mount Buckmore linebacker is what? Spielman, Laurinaitis, Hawk, Gratishar. Okay. Mine is Spielman, Gratishar, Laurinaitis, and Katzenmoyer. And I almost have. I would. I think I'd have AJ and Ryan like tied for fifth, a sliver behind, and then Kuzno seventh. Mm -hmm. and it kind of hurts my heart a little bit. So the unanimous ones, all four groups, texters and the three of us are in on Spielman unanimously, and we are all together on Laurinaitis. So those are the unanimous picks. Gratishar gets three from the three of us, but not from the texters, which I get, which I get, which is is great, and that's uh, a reasonable thing. For the texters. AJ Hawk gets, not me, but does get Nathan and does get the texters. So Hawk gets two. And then we have Shazier gets the texters and Steven. So that's two. And then Katzimoyer gets one from me. So we have overall six guys that get on a spot for the mountain, but it's Spielman and Laurinaitis. All four voted, Gratishar three, Hawk and Shazier two, Katzenmoyer one. Nathan, what what would it take? What would it take? How do we envision C.J. Hicks or Reed Carrico or Cody Simon? Nathan, what, what does it take for somebody to try to break through here?
1: It's difficult to envision it right now with the way the game has changed and the, and the, the such an emphasis on the passing game. Now, I know we just had a whole discussion about how Ohio state runs the ball more than people think they do, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the, the game has evolved to where there's such an emphasis placed on the guys who go after the quarterback and the guys who defend receivers. So I don't know. I don't know what it, the, the easy answer is probably when Ohio state, but but this isn't the answer because they've now taken a third linebacker spot and we don't call that a linebacker anymore. Right. Ah, so when Ohio it, state, too. when Ohio state develops, it's Isaiah Simmons eventually. And that guy has a career. Mm-hmm. Then we have the discussion. Should that guy be on the running back or the, I mean, the linebacker Mount Rush, Buckmore, or is that the defensive back Mount Buckmore? We get to start the bullet conversation all over again.
2: No, the bullet gets its own mountain. Because that's exactly where I was going to go. The problem is they've said Isaiah Simmons is their Isaiah Simmons is a defensive back. Had they not said that ever, then it's like, oh, this guy, CJ, CJ, he can do it. But he's not even going to be that. He's going to be a little linebacker when he gets here because that's not a defensive back. And they'd rather him be all over the field. Had they not come, had we not gone to practice And seeing Craig Young working with the safeties, we'd be having a different conversation about how we feel somebody might be able to break through on this list.
0: Can I just state for the record, when you guys have the bullet Mount Buckmore conversation, you may call me in Florida and I will try (laughs) to squeeze in a 10-minute hit between my shifts selling chicken nuggets in Tomorrowland. But I am not going to be here for the full 90-minute discussion on the bullet Mount Buckmore. Cause yeah, if court Williams, right. Court Williams has an aura already, Nathan, right. <laughs> he has an essence and a presence already. If court Williams pops, let's say he doesn't start this year, but then is a guy who decides to stay in Columbus and he is a starting player for Ohio state. And the backbone of the defense in 22, 23, and 24. And he's a two time All American, and they win a national title in there. And he's got an essence and a presence. And the discussion is, well, is he a linebacker? I'm out on that. I don't, that's not, I don't even want to have that discussion because it's like, well, he's this, is that. Well, who? so, but I do think it's hard. I mean, Steven, it would be CJ Hicks is the, is the guy on the radar, right? If we're talking about mm-hmm. who's a guy that sort of fits athletically. From a leadership standpoint of the guys who are here or about to be here, it feels like C.J. Hicks, just because Quartz got the injury, we're not exactly sure, right? He's in year two. C.J.'s going to be in year one next year. Hicks is the guy we'd at least consider, right? See,
2: in a world where this all goes perfectly, obviously, but that never happens, where he does do all these things, he becomes some combination of Ryan Shazier and A.J. Hawk because he's an Ohio kid with Ryan Shazier's athletic ability. So he has it on both fronts. He's pos- Then he has the argument of I'm the best pure football player, but also I'm revered a certain way that started back during my recruiting process.
0: Yeah, man. I love Ryan Shazier. I feel I like a, I have like a pain in my gut.
2: Right now you're being hypocritical. Like when I talk bad about Garrett Wilson.
0: No, I know. And again, like AJ Hawk to me coming in and not, really being steeped in Ohio state football. AJ Hawk was the first guy who defined what a Buckeye was to me mm-hmm. and he didn't make it either. It hurts my, it hurts my heart. And by the way, we are Cleveland.com. We got some Cleveland dudes in here. we got some Northeast Ohio guys in this conversation, ready? Gratish mm-hmm. Northeast Ohio, Tom Kuzino, great Cleveland legacy. Like it's tough, man, but we didn't really let that factor in Nathan. How do we feel about this conversation? Do we walk away feeling pretty good about where we landed or do we all have knots in our stomach worried that the Texans are going to yell at us?
1: No, I think it was just, a again, it, this was a position where Ohio State has already had its abundance of greatness, and I don't know that that's at that standard, you know what I mean? This this really high standard that we've set. Linebacker is one of the few positions where they've already gotten there. I think there's other positions where we still think that they're trying to reach that standard for one of those four spots. So. They, they've gotten there and then some at this position that made it tougher. But I think that's something that Ohio state fans should be the ones that are yelling at us for not picking their guy. Just, just remember that it's a good thing. Like you, you Ohio state's just been, um, had, had a wealth of uh, talent at this position and maybe it should make you optimistic that someday maybe this same kind of argument will need to happen at running back or at receiver or whatever, because they have put themselves in that same kind of abundance that they have at linebacker
2: honestly the door potentially being closed and somebody new popping up made this less fun because that's part of it is okay we just had a long discussion trying to fight for a while the guy we are caping for should get that last spot yep and then it, but while understanding that it's not permanent while well, then we get to have another 30 minute discussion of oh this guy might be coming this guy might be coming cj hicks might be coming and it doesn't because he doesn't have three All-Americans and he doesn't have a bunch of national awards.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's right. That I think is the end of our position group player, Mount Buckmore's quarterback, running back receiver, cornerback and defensive end in the same podcast, but separate discussions and linebacker, not doing interior defensive line, not doing offensive line, not doing tight end, not doing specialists. We will do a coach one, which might seem obvious, but I think there's an interesting discussion. And it's going to be an interesting Ryan Day discussion. What would Ryan Day have to do to deserve to be on that? I think will be fun. We will do, I think, a wrap-up maybe as part of that, but somewhere in there kind of like looking back, did we make any mistakes? Did we overlook anything? And then I think we will do a, a Mount Buckmore of Mount Buckmore's pick four guys the four guys that represent everything, every aspect of Ohio state football for more than a century, who do you put on there? But we're going to start taking a break because we're not doing this next Friday. Cause guess what? The next, the podcast next Friday is going to be. Post game Minnesota. So, you know, and we're done with like this uh, history stuff. It's time to cover football season. Monday. We'll be marking down our playoff picks Tuesday, talking about what Ryan day and the players said on Monday, and then we'll be gearing up for this podcast. Uh, to preview the game on next Thursday night at Minnesota when all three of us will be there. So for now it's a pause on Mount Buckmore, but it is an end to the individual position groups. Nathan, what do you think? Did you like Mount Buckmore? I did because I needed
1: this perspective. You know, I, I haven't like gone back and read every book about Ohio state history. And this sort of helped me see into the past a little bit and give me a, a more vivid look at some of these, all these, these are all names that I had heard over the course of these past couple of years, but this sort of helped me clarify, um, who, who these great guys were and, and why they were so great.
0: I was trying to maybe get Randy Gratishar on this podcast and I didn't make it happen, but maybe we'll do that. Maybe that could be an, another time, like sort of an off season thing of like trying to have Buckmore interviews. Let's mm-hmm. talk with some of the guys. Let's try to have Chris Carter on. Let's try to have Randy Gratishar on. Let's try to have Marshawn Lattimore on. Or let's try to, you know, let's try to get Mike Ray. Oh, Mike Rabel probably want. <laughs> he doesn't really like the media. Maybe <laughs> we get Chase Young. We can do some stuff like that. But for now, that's gonna do it. Thanks again to you guys for listening. 614-350-3315 for the text. If you want to get in before the season starts. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.